the Lord said to Abraham, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of power. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will lie with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a son. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Friends, the day has arrived that we celebrate our Lord and Savior's birth. Regardless of faith or belief, Christ's name is being exalted by the world. Some will actively oppose it, like the cashier to whom I said, Have a Merry Christmas, and he shook his head and said, No, I'm Muslim. Yet Christ's name is still exalted. Because it rings in the air with every sale that is processed. And so having lost the reverence that it should have from years of commercialization, Christmas, or as it was originally known, Christ Mass, still pronounces Jesus' arrival, whether actively acknowledged or not. If you have your Bibles, you can open to along to James chapter 4. James Chapter 4. Now, if you've been journeying as a Christian for some time, you will immediately take note that the book of James is not a traditional Christmas time book to be reading from. And you know what? That's okay. Because we're Baptists. And like I said previously, called nonconformists during the Protestant Reformation. So, tradition is a great guide, but we tend to go as the Lord leads us by His Spirit. James chapter 4. As I read it, I want you to listen very carefully to every word. And I'm going to read it a little bit slower than what I normally would read. So that you are able to focus carefully on every word spoken. Let's read together. James chapter 4, reading from verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? 
Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive. Because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred with God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting under judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy, but you. Who are you to judge your neighbor? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your everlasting word given to us. Given to us, Father God, so that we may know you and we may know Christ. I pray, Father God, that as his word has gone forth, that it will not return to your void. But the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. Our Lord, our God, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. So when I read that passage and prepared for the scripture, the first thought that came to mind was, Oh, Daryl, that is such a heavy passage for Christmas. Where's the twinkling stars and jingle bells ringing? Where's the love and the joy and the laughter and the Christmas spirit in that portion of scripture? And I, I, I agree with you, totally agree with you. So let me ask, where are they? Where are they? Henry Wadsworth Longfellow was a celebrated literary critic and poet. He was married to Fanny Elizabeth Appleton and together they had six children. Six. In 1861, his wife died tragically after her dress caught fire. Henry tried to save her, but her burns were too severe. He himself sustaining such injuries that he could not attend her funeral. In March of 1863, Henry's eldest son, Charles, walked out to the family house and unbeknownst to them, boarded a train bound for Washington, D.C., traveling 700 kilometers to, in order to join President Lincoln's Union Army to fight in the Civil War. His son survived several battles and skirmishes. But the day came on 1 December 1863 when Henry received a telegram while dining at home stating that his son had been severely wounded 
four days earlier. Henry and his other son Ernest set out immediately for Washington and arriving on the 3rd of December, grateful to receive the news that although nearly paralyzed, Charles would recover after a lengthy time of healing. On Christmas Day that year, in 1863, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, a 57-year-old widowed father of six children, the oldest of which had nearly been paralyzed as his country fought a war against itself, wrote a poem seeking to capture the dynamic and disharmony in his own heart with the world he observed around him. He heard the Christmas bells that December day and the singing of peace on earth, but observed the world of injustice and violence that seemed to mock the truthfulness of this optimistic outlook. Casting Crowns captured the poem in their song, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. And the lyrics go like this. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, the old familiar carols play. And mild and sweet their songs repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And the bells are ringing, peace on earth. Like a choir they're singing, peace on earth. In my heart I hear them, peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair I bowed my head. For there is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. But the bells are ringing. Peace on earth. Like the choir they're singing, peace on earth. Does anybody hear them? Peace on earth. Goodwill to men. Then rang the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. Friends, today's passage is indeed one that to some degree captures the same essence and sense of disharmony that Longfellow observed within his own heart some 160 years ago. It talks of fights and quarrels and desires that battle within us. It talks about wanting what we cannot get, coveting and killing, slandering, grieving, mourning and wailing. This is the word of God that was read to us today. All of us know this to be utterly true. So none of us need reminding as our consciences, our conscience speaks to us loudly enough on these But right there in the middle of the passage, in the middle, there is this glimmer of hope. The same glimmer of hope that Longfellow saw then when he captured in his poem, then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. There in the middle of the dissonance of that passage that we read, reflecting the truth of humanity, James writes, But he gives us more grace. Come near to God. And he'll come near to you. 
What hopeful joy these words for you. For God's not dead, indeed is true. For Christ came near to heal our race and pour on us yet still more grace. The truth of this portion of Scripture is that we can only come near to God because He first came near to us. The Apostle John captures it like this in his first letter when he says, We love because He first loved us. We love because He first loved us. And showed us that love in the birth, death and resurrection of His Son Jesus. And only because God did this, only because of Christmas and Easter, only because of these things can we in fact draw near to God, draw near to Him. It has always been the plan of God for us to be near Him. Before the fall, there was perfect relationship in the Garden of Eden. But once sin came into the picture, it ruined our humanity. And our shame has been driving us away ever since. Compelling us to hide from a holy God. The Israelites could not get themselves to come close to Mount Sinai at the giving of the Lord during the Exodus. Isaiah cries out, Woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Humanity has always struggled to come near to God because of the sin we know that overwhelms and covers our hearts and controls our actions. But to the Israelites, Moses says, do not be afraid. To Isaiah, the seraph angel says, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. To the shepherds and all of humanity, the angel says, I bring you good news of great joy. God's plan has always been to be near to us. And the birth of Jesus is the very evidence of that more grace that he poured out for us. So that by his death, the veil of separation would be torn apart, opening up and allowing us to draw near to him. More grace is given. More undeserved favor so that now we can draw near in order that God can draw near to us. But friends, it requires that we take the first step. God has opened the way to him. It requires from us the initial step of accepting that ushers in our salvation and makes us as white as snow. Without our decision to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, we cannot draw near to God. For our sin will still drive us away. And because we cannot draw near to God, He cannot draw near to us. And can therefore not give us that peace that He offers. At Mount Sinai, Moses said that the fear of God would be with them to keep them from sinning. But we know that that's not true. As both the Israelites and we ourselves keep on sinning. We keep on sinning. Which is why Paul wrote, Therefore no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. 
What the fear of God through the law could not accomplish, grace, beginning with the birth of Jesus, did. For Paul writes elsewhere, so the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Friends, the law of Moses was put in charge. That word charge is translated in other versions as tutor, as in teacher. Translated in other versions as guardian, as in someone taking care of another. The law of Moses then was put in place never to be attained, but to make us aware that how we are, how we are, in effect, offends God. Through the law, we became conscious of what sin is. And because our very existence results in us doing things that are an offense to God, the law of Moses was put in place to lead us to Christ, to teach us that we need Christ, to take care of us until Christ had come. Beloved of God, and all of you who are still far off, the law of Moses was given never for us to attain, but to show why we would need a Savior. The Ten Commandments was given never to be able to be attained to perfection, but to show that we would need Jesus. The world says we need nothing outside of ourselves, yet as sure as we know that the law is unattainable, so too we know, you know, with absolute conviction, that you need something more than what others or you or this world has to offer. Your flesh and your mind may argue against it, but your heart cries out and it says, you need Jesus It is an undeniable stirring within your soul that you cannot escape. Try as hard as you might. You can try to deny it. You can try to suppress it. You can try to run from it. But the hound of heaven is relentless in seeking and saving the lost. Finding your scent and pursuing your soul. Your mind just needs to catch up with what your heart already knows. Come near to God and He will come near to you. There is no better time than Christmas to remind us and jolt us and propel us to Jesus. God became a babe not to be mocked or scorned, but to show Himself to be meek and mild. What the fear of the thunderbolts and lightning, the very, very frightening giving of the law at Mount Sinai could not accomplish. God sought to accomplish the meekest and mildest of created forms, a baby. A baby born not to establish an earthly kingdom, but to restore a heavenly kingdom to its full capacity in the hearts of men and women. The totally powerful becomes the totally powerless, with one purpose and one purpose only, to allow us to come near. In 1868, Bret Hart wrote a story that was called The Luck of Roaring Camp. 
The story was written about a mining town in California called Roaring Camp. The only woman in the town was a Cherokee named Sel. She became pregnant but died while giving birth to a son. This left the baby in a town full of single men. But not just any old men, rough men, tough men, rude men, crude men, men of the wild west. What are they going to do with the baby? The child was thought to be a sign of good fortune, so they gave him the name Thomas Luck. They put him in a dirty box and wrapped him in dirty clothes. But that didn't look right. So they ordered a rosewood cradle with satin sheets and a soft pillow. The best room they had was filthy. So the men got in their hands and knees and cleaned the floors and walls. They then decided that if they were going to take care of a baby, maybe they need to start using soap on themselves. They reckoned that they needed to wash their hands and bath more often. And then they said, well, you know what? Maybe we don't need to be gambling so much. Maybe we don't need to be fighting so much. Maybe we don't need to be drinking so much. And as the story progresses, the entire town of Roaring Camp was transformed by the arrival of that single baby. 2,000 years ago, the entire world was transformed by the arrival of a baby boy, the Son of God. And because of Jesus' birth, everything is different. He has made a whole new way of life possible. We can know salvation and peace and hope and joy and love through him. And because he loves us, we can learn to love others by his example. In Jesus, a better hope is introduced, by which we draw near to God. Let us remember this Christmas that we can only come near to God because he first came near to us. And like a cup that overflows, let us take the more grace that he has given and give it to each other, drawing near to them so that they can draw near to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we come today to rejoice in Christ the Savior's birth, wonderful Counselor, mighty God, Prince of Peace. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that through His birth, salvation, the beginning of salvation was initiated. Through His death and resurrection was completed. And the veil, the separation of sin was torn And because of Jesus, we have direct access to a holy and righteous God. Father, where we were indeed in sin and error pining, because of Jesus, our souls, our souls are awakened, our spirits renewed, reborn, able to come into the very presence of the Creator God of the universe. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his birth. Thank you, Father God, that despite, despite the reality of the text of James, despite the truth of the wickedness that is within us, 
Despite that, Father, you came. You sent your son to be born into this this wicked world. And by his birth, to bring transformation. Father God, we thank you. We rejoice because of Jesus. May your grace indeed pour out yet ever more. And may we be the cupbearers of that grace as we take it into a world desperately in need of Jesus. And as we sang last night, let there be peace and let it start in me. For your glory's sake and in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Receive now the blessing of God. The Lord said to Moses to tell Aaron, This is how you bless the children of Israel. For as you do this, you will be putting my name on them. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord turn his countenance to you and give you his peace. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen.